Lots of Democrat politicians are weighing in to tell us what Ruth Bader Ginsburg allegedly said on her deathbed. What was the late justice's alleged death wish? But we actually don't need secondhand accounts of Justice Ginsburg's death wish because she actually told us herself just a few years ago. Take a listen. I, I do think that cooler heads will prevail. I hope sooner rather than later. The president is elected for four years, not three years. So the power that he has in year three continues into year four. And maybe some members of the Senate will, will wake up and appreciate that that's how it should be. That's how it should be. The president's power continues into his fourth year. He has the power, the right, nay, the responsibility to appoint a justice to the Supreme Court. That's exactly what's going on. And the Democrats are promising, quote, total war. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday comes from Jaden Van Dyke. He says that Trump should replace Ginsburg with Biden. And that would force the left and Democrats to cancel Joe Biden. That's true. That would force them finally to take those sexual assault allegations against him seriously. If they could invent a bunch of ridiculous sexual assault allegations against milquetoast judge Brett Kavanaugh, surely they can against sniffy Joe Biden. You know, one thing in all of this very tense time, I know we're all sort of just tense, we're worried, we're anxious. You need a really soft dress shirt. And Buttercloth has the absolute softest dress shirt that's ever been invented. There's no hyperbole there at all. I wore my Buttercloth shirt just this weekend. I wore it just on Sunday. There's nothing like it. You think that when you put on an Oxford dress shirt, right, it's going to be stiff, it's going to be scratchy. Right? That's true of every other dress shirt, not Buttercloth. They developed this unbelievably soft fabric, but it's not using some crazy, weird, synthetic blend of who knows what's touching your body. It's somehow a special blend of 100% long fiber cotton and a unique manufacturing process that makes it super duper soft. And the one that I wore on Sunday, because you know me, I'm Sicilian, I perspire a little bit. I, I wore their shirt that has this incredible cooling technology, uses mint fibers in there that actually cools you down. I put it down, I get a little chill up my spine. It's so nice. Uh, this wonderful company was featured on ABC's hit show Shark Tank in 2018, and uh, uh, the Shark Tank guys loved it so much, they invested a bunch of money. And you should invest some money in your, in your Buttercloth shirts as well. Buttercloth is offering our listeners 20% off on your first purchase. Go to buttercloth.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to receive 20% off your first full price order. Buttercloth.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Feeling is believing. Trying is believing. You will thank me later. Buttercloth.com slash Knowles. Back to all the tense, horrible, anxiety-inducing madness. The Democrats are promising total war if President Trump exercises his constitutional right and duty to fill that Supreme Court seat. Now, what do they mean by total war? They're already burning down the country. <laughs> They're already committing uh, looting, uh, rioting, arson. They're already attacking churches. They're, so what does total war look like? Are they going to use a nuclear bomb or something? No. What they mean is that, uh, this is according to Axios, uh, they are considering a, a, a massive power play 
if, and I suppose eventually when, they get uh, control of the Senate or the, the White House, most egregiously, you know, most, most worrisome to us, they want to add new states to the country. So they've talked about adding Puerto Rico as a state. If Puerto Rico is added to the country that will fundamentally shift the balance of power, that will give Democrats very likely a permanent majority. Um, it will give Democrats a huge advantage in the presidential election. Probably they'll just win the presidential election from then on out. They also want to turn the District of Columbia, Washington, D.C., into a state. This is uh, not only cynical, it's also very stupid. The District of Columbia is a federal district on purpose. It was carved out of Maryland and Virginia, right? It's right there, it's plopped right in. And the reason for that is that no state should have the seat of power for the federal government in it. So there's this federal district and no state then has that power. Now they want to create a state out of it. Why? Because they know that they'll get some more votes and they'll get some Democratic senators out of it. All a very bad idea. My only question is, why do we care what they're threatening? You know, there were a couple of the last two never Trump Republicans, probably in the entire world, came out yesterday and they said, we need a big deal. We need to come to a wonderful compromise. We will not fill the Supreme Court seat now. And in exchange, Democrats will be nice to us in 10 years. That was more or less what they said. They said that we will not exercise our political power and our constitutional responsibility now by filling the seat. And for the next 10 years, the Democrats have to promise not to pack the court, you know, or do kind of crazy things like add states. You see the problem with that. The problem with that is we are giving up something real right now for some Democrat promise 10 years down the line. There's no enforcement mechanism. How are we supposed to believe that we're going to get that? This is the exact same thing that Reagan fell for in the 80s with that big amnesty. He says, amnesty, give amnesty now, and then you'll get border protection later. And guess what happened? Reagan gave them amnesty, and then they never got the border protection. So that's the total war that's being threatened. I just don't even know why we care what they're threatening. There's nothing we can do about it. That w They've shown that they're serious. They're willing to burn down the entire country. They've shown that their word is no good if they're promising some concession down the line for something that we're giving them now. So what? I mean, it's this classic, it's this classic squishy Republican thing, which is, gosh, fellas, we can't exercise our power right now, which is legitimate because down the line, Democrats might hypothetically exert some power that we won't like, which secretly they're already exerting. That, that's not an argument. You gotta, you gotta play the hand that you were dealt. The hand we were dealt is this vacant seat and we should fill that seat. And all of these threats that we're getting from the Democrats, by the way, are, they're, they're trying to position them as though they're the, the final wonderful wish of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's no evidence of that. I do not believe for one second that Ruth Ginsburg in her dying breath said, please don't ever let a Republican president fill my seat. I actually have more respect for her than that. I, I just don't think she did it. I think that's BS concocted by exploitative democratic politicians. How about court packing? That's the other threat they're making. They're, they're going to add new states. They're going to add new justices to the Supreme Court. And that way the court uh, can be permanently liberal because they'll just always add more liberal justices if they're in a position of power. Is that RBG's dying wish? No, we know it's not her dying wish because she said explicitly that it was a horrible idea. There is no fixed number in the constitution. So this court has had as few as five as many as 10. Nine seems to be a good number, and it's been that way for, for a long time. I have heard that there are some people on the Democratic side 
who would like to increase the number of judges. I think that was a bad idea when President Franklin Delano Roosevelt tried to pack the court. So I am not at all in favor of that solution to what I see as um, a temporary situation. It's a bad idea, and I am not at all in favor of that solution. How long before Democrats insist you, no, RBG loved court packing. We need, in the name of St. RBG, peace be upon her, we, we need to pack the court. It's the dying wish doctrine. Well, there's no such thing as a dying wish doctrine, and even if there were, RBG hated this stuff. I gotta tell you, RBG sounds a lot more reasonable the more she speaks than, than all of these Democrats are making her out to be. Now, Republicans, for their part, are not exploiting this death. They're exercising their constitutional power, we hope, but they're not exploiting this death. They're actually dealing with this like gentlemen. They're saying nice things about RBG. I'm saying nice things about RBG. And even the uh, leader of the Senate, Mitch McConnell, is saying nice things about RBG, uh, which we will get to in one second. But in this tense time, we all got to feel a little bit safer, right? We got to feel a little comfortable. We got to feel a little safer. How do you feel safer? You use Ring. That's the way to do it. Ring, you know I've, I've loved these guys for years. Ring allows you to communicate with people outside your door. Keep an eye on your home, whether you're in the bedroom, you're in the bathroom, you're down at the office, you're on a beach somewhere across the world. You can talk, you can see these people right through your phone. If a burglar comes up and steals all your stuff and even steals your Ring device, guess what? It goes up to the cloud. There's a thousand reasons why protecting your home should matter to you. Ring has security products for every corner of your home, inside and out. These guys are the best in the business, right? These guys are the top of the game. One thing I love about Ring in particular, other than how it makes you feel safe and how Ring lets you feel like you're living in the future, is how Ring is a wonderful value. It's inexpensive, and so when I give Ring out to my friends as a housewarming gift, I don't have to spend too much money. It's wonderful. It, it, it could be a package delivery. It could be your mother-in-law stopping by. It could be a burglar. Who knows? Who knows? which one of those is worse, but you can keep an eye thanks to Ring. Uh, head on over. I, I really like these guys. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. Uh, you get the video doorbell three. You get the Chime Pro. It's the perfect way to start your Ring experience. Plus two-day two free shipping. Ring.com slash Knowles. What is that address? Say it with me. Ring.com slash Knowles. Go over there right now. Never more important to feel safe at home. Mitch McConnell goes, takes to the floor of the Senate, and does he launch into an invective about how Ruth Ginsburg is the worst, most terrible person in the world? Does he launch into some political speech and downplay her accomplishments in her personal life? No, he says nice things about her because the lady just died. Our nation is mourning the end of an exceptional American life. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg meant so much to our country. First and foremost, she was a brilliant, generational legal mind who climbed past one obstacle after another to submit the very, to summit the very pinnacle of her profession. Justice Ginsburg was a fixture on our nation's highest court for more than a quarter of a century. She was not just a lawyer, no, not just a lawyer, but a leader. From majority opinions to impassioned dissents, her life's work will not only continue to shape jurisprudence, 
but also enlightened scholars and students for generations. Very nice. He went on and kept talking about her. I doubt the left would do this for Scalia. I don't think they would. I think it's, he's a terrible, no good, awful, bad man. He's evil. He's terrible. But the right is willing to be perfectly genial to RBG and say nice things about her when she died. And we'll probably go back to criticizing her legacy in a few days or a week or so. But when somebody dies, you know, you just sort of you know, be a gentleman about it. It's too bad that the left wouldn't do this for the right and usually doesn't do this for the right. I think the reason for that is that conservatives have more empathy. Conservatives manifestly have more empathy. Uh, you can see it because anecdotally and even according to social scientific data and studies, if you believe those sort of things, conservatives understand what liberals believe much better than liberals understand what conservatives believe. John, Jonathan Haidt, the social scientist, came out with that a number of years ago. And you see this on social media, right? Conservatives are much less likely to unfriend someone on social media over politics than left-wing liberals are. There's, a, there's an empathy gap here. They, they actually don't know on the left what we believe. I'm, I'm pretty certain of this now. Every so often you find a, a very intelligent leftist who knows what a conservative believes. And usually they're the ones who are a bit calmer and they're obviously not the ones burning down the country. But the rest of them, it's not that they disagree with us. I don't, I don't think most of the time it's that they disagree with us. It's that they have absolutely no clue what we're talking about. Dick Durbin, Democrat in the Senate, you saw this clip yesterday when uh, we were talking about Amy Coney Barrett. Dick Durbin is a very intelligent man by all accounts. And yet he asked Amy Barrett, he said, I I've heard that you've described your beliefs as orthodox and Catholic. What is an Orthodox Catholic? I've never heard of that. Like he's never heard what the word orthodoxy means. It means you believe what you say you believe. <laughs> I mean, you, you are in line with, you're not heterodox. You're not a heretic. What is that? What is a, a Catholic who believes Catholicism? I don't, he actually has no idea. And he's not a stupid man. He just doesn't know. And I, I think that's what's going on here. You know, I, I was, I, I was thinking about this with, uh, with the death of RBG, obviously, but you think about this with a lot of other leftists. I mean, there are people whose job it is to come after conservative commentators and conservative politicians professionally. We always joke about media matters, right? We joke about the people who their job is to sit and watch this show or listen to this show and then pull clips out of context and try to get us fired. And they do it all the time. I and mean, that is a 24 seven job. And I think like, do I hate these people? Do I, why don't I go out and attack these people all the time? Cause I usually just make sort of jokes about them and move on. The reason is these are terribly broken people. <laughs> These are, yeah, I, I do it just to see when someone comes out and puts it on me. First thing I'll do, I'll just go Google the person. And then you find that this person is depressed and has all these sorts of personal problems. And clearly it's like something is not going right over there. And you think, okay, well, I'll throw a punch if I got to throw a punch. Obviously in politics, you got to fight back. Sometimes you got to go on the offensive. I don't need to be mean. I don't need to be cruel. I don't need to tear down this completely broken person who has no, who has like not, not a lot of things going for them. And I don't think the left feels that way about conservatives. I think a lot of conservatives feel that way about the left. We say, I, I have no interest in just like ruining somebody's life. I don't want to do that. Whereas on the left, I think they do want to do that. The difference is a religious difference. Even for conservatives who don't feel that they have any particularly well-defined religion, it's still a religious difference. It's a difference in how you view human nature. Because actually, we're all broken people, right? Some of us more visibly so than others, but uh, we've all got this kind of broken 
human nature and it's never going to get fixed in this world, certainly not through politics like the left, left believes that it will. So this religious difference will come out and you're especially going to see it come out with Amy Coney Barrett or, or whoever gets the nomination, but it seems like a, Judge Barrett is the front runner right now for the Supreme Court seat. You are going to see this distinction explode, which we'll get to in one second. Speaking of exploding things, you know how your credit card bills can explode. How's that for a segue? I was, I was, it wasn't my best, but it wasn't my worst either. They can explode. When you put all that stuff on the credit card, then you get that huge high interest rate, and then you're throwing money out the window. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. The rate is fixed, so it will never go up over the life of the loan. The application is 100% online. You do not have to leave your house. You do not have to leave your couch. Uh, to apply. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. There are no fees. No, I know you think there are all these hidden fees and there always are, right? No. Absolutely no fees. People love Livestream. Here's what one customer had to say. Heard about Livestream on a podcast, hopefully this podcast, and was able to look on the website, get their information there. It was very clear. The application process was quick and easy. Very important, you know, obviously people have been having some financial difficulties during, especially during this lockdown, but th this sort of thing always goes on. Don't throw money out the window. My listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is go to lightstream.com slash Knowles, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Knowles. Subject credit approval rate includes 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Lightstream.com slash Knowles for more information. It, there's a religious difference here. We are aiming at something higher. When we say nice things about Ruth Ginsburg or when we refuse to just like totally tear someone down or try to ruin their life like the left often does to conservatives, Brett Kavanaugh is a good example in particular. It's because we're aiming at something higher. When we talk about our, our moral aims, we're talking about something beyond this world, outside of this world. Judge Barrett just got in trouble because someone found out she said that she was aiming at the kingdom of God. And a lot of liberals had never heard of the kingdom of God because they never cracked open the good book. <laughs> but that's what we're aiming at. For, for the left, it tends to be that they aim at a nebulous, vague humanitarianism. You know, peace and love, man. Come on, just be good. Just be nice. It's all about people, man. And you, you it, it obviously doesn't explain why, right? If we're all just sacks of flesh walking around and all of our loves and our dreams and our hopes are just complete illusions and we're, we're just chemicals firing off and then we die and take a dirt nap and turn to worm food, then why do we have to be good? What is good? Good doesn't even exist. Just an illusion. So why would I ever inconvenience myself to help you? Why is, why is your pain any more important than my pleasure? As the Marquis de Sade, a, a pornographer and philosopher who, after whom we get the term sadism, pointed out. Why, why does it matter? Why do I care about you? Why do I care that you're in pain? Why not just me, me, me? That's what humanitarianism inevitably boils down to. And none other than the great philosopher Mark Ruffalo uh, made a humanitarian point when he was receiving his Emmy on his couch virtually over the weekend. You know, the left... The left loves to talk a good game on peace and love. Take a listen to this wonderful rally cry for humanitarianism. So get out and vote, make a plan, and vote for love and compassion and kindness. 
I love you all. Thank you so much. And God bless you. Vote for love and compassion and kindness. So we're making this explicit claim that you vote, he's, uh, he's a Democrat, obviously. You vote for Democrats, you are voting for love and compassion and kindness. If you vote for Republicans, you are voting for, I don't know, presumably cruelty and hatred and all sorts of other things. Love and compassion and kindness. Vote for love and compassion and kindness pleads the man whose political party has spent six months burning down the country, looting private property, tearing down national symbols of unity, and now are threatening even more violence in the streets if the president exercises his constitutional right to fill a court vacancy that might in any way threaten their ability to kill a million babies a year. Because that's what it's all about. That's what the whole court fight is about. That's what the court fights have always been about since Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided. Since then, you've had these bitter, bitter, ridiculous court fights. What's it all about? It's all about protecting the fictional legal right to kill one million babies per year. Love and compassion. That's the party of love and compassion. I'm not saying that Republicans can't do rotten things every now and again. I'm not saying that uh, Republicans are always on the money. I'm not saying that they always have the purest, most lily white of intentions. And I'm not saying that the Democrats don't ever have decent intentions. They're just, they usually, because they start with bad premises, they have a bad vision of the world and human nature, they usually almost always end up in a bad place. But just a, lo, the party of love and compassion, the, the fight that is defining, or the issue rather, that is defining the fight between the two parties right now is, should we preserve a fictional legal right to kill a million babies a year? Should we respect the constitution and acknowledge that there's no constitutional right to kill a million babies a year. On an issue of love and compassion, it seems Mark Ruffalo has it flipped. Not that very many people heard what he said because the Emmys ratings were way, way down, way, way down. They they went to an all-time low. They keep falling almost every year. They only had 6.1 million viewers total. That was the whole thing. Last year's show was 6.9 million viewers. So that's way down. You're to 800,000 people. When, when you're starting at 6.9, way, way down. To put that into perspective, in, in the year 2000, almost 22 million people watched the Emmys. I mean, I remember, I would watch all those award shows when I was a kid. Now, you know, it was 2000, it was almost 22 million. 2010, it drops down to like 13 and a half million. Now, another 10 years later, it's down more than half over that. And then even year over year, down 800,000. This is a good thing. You'll notice it's Tuesday, and I'm only talking about the Emmys in earnest now. Why? Because I, did, I didn't watch it. Usually they make me watch these awful things just to, to comment on them. That one, it doesn't even matter. It's not even something people are really talking about. Twitter keeps trying to make it trend as, as a big issue, but very few people were watching this, as, as you can see from the numbers. That's good, because as long as you are talking about these Hollywood types, as long as you're talking about the mainstream media, you are giving them credibility. Even if you're talking about how much you hate them, you still are giving them credibility. And conservatives, because we want to we make sure we keep an eye on them and, and track what they're, 
lies are, you know, we end up talking about them a lot. And so that gives them a little bit of credibility, but that's just around the edges. The real question is, are the people who do not work in politics for a living, are they paying attention to this? Are the people who are not commenting on cultural events for a living paying attention? And the answer obviously is not. And they're not in part, in part it's technological, right? Because people don't watch network TV as much anymore, though that has now shifted. And you can, you can watch these things anywhere on YouTube. They stream them, they stream them all over the place. So it's not hard to find them. That, that, that technological shift does not explain the decline in numbers. What largely explains it is that the awards shows are awful. They're not funny. They're extraordinarily hyper-partisan and political, and they're just not popular, including one of the most pathetic and creepy displays I've ever seen where Jimmy Kimmel was forced, humiliated, into reciting the phrase, black lives matter again and again and again. Now, I almost lost my lunch when I was watching that on, on the Emmys broadcast. And thankfully, I have a freezer well stocked with Omaha steaks so that if I did lose my lunch, I could go back and eat delicious steak. Now that was a good segue. That was, an, that was good. That segue was almost as delicious as Omaha steaks. Right now you can get a gourmet grill out package exclusive for my listeners. This incredible package includes bacon wrapped filet mignon, top sirloin, boneless chicken breast, pork chops, burgers, and jumbo franks. Now listen, you just heard all that kind of meat. I want you to focus in on the jumbo franks. These jumbo franks are probably my favorite hot dogs ever. I just was on a phone call with Omaha Steaks. I said, yeah, guys, no, I love all the food. The food's really great and everything. Those franks though, those franks. If you wanted to send some extra franks in the package, sure would love it. They also have their world-renowned, extra delicious caramel apple tartlets and more. You love Omaha Steaks. I mean, we've, we've talked about them on the show before. OmahaSteaks.com. Head there right now. Enter code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, into the search bar. For a limited time, Omaha Steaks will add two pounds in extra burgers and gourmet jumbo franks free with your order, just because I insisted on it, because they are the greatest hot dogs ever. Going to the grocery store has become a hassle. Do not do it. Skip those aisles. Head on over to Omaha Steaks. All right. BLM at the Emmys. They, they, were, they were referring to the pandemies. You've heard of the, the, the pandemies. That was Jimmy Kimmel's lame line that he said to a laugh track for the broadcast. Well, I think it actually was the BLMs, where an actor, I actually, I don't, I don't even know who this actor is. I don't know who most of the actors at the Emmys are. I'm sure they're going to call me racist though, because I don't know who this one is. Uh, Anthony, oh, I'm being told by the producers, it's Anthony Anderson. Never heard of him, never seen any of his stuff. Actually, I haven't seen anything Jimmy Kimmel's done in the last recent years since he was wearing blackface on his old Comedy Central show. But I guess that, that gets washed away, doesn't it? When you turn liberal in Hollywood, all your past sins that they would harangue you for get washed away. So this fellow, Anthony Anderson, gets up there and uh, he's standing next to the MC, Jimmy Kimmel. And he goes on, I guess it was a scripted comedy bit. It just didn't feel all that funny. Before we announce the nominees, you know, I have a few things that uh, I'd like to say. You do? Yes, I oh, do. Because in rehearsal, I thought we decided that we're just gonna- You know, we have a record number of black Emmy nominees this year, which is great. This is the part where the white people start to applaud. Oh. And nod. Oh. Thank you, Jimmy. This isn't 
what it should have been, Jimmy. But, but you know what? I'm still rooting for everybody black because black stories, black performances, and black lives matter. Say it with me, Jimmy. Black, black lives, lives matter. matter. Louder, Jimmy. Black, black lives, lives matter. matter. Louder, Jimmy. Say it so that Mike Pence can hear it. Black, black lives, lives matter. Ha uh, <laughs> What's the joke? Joke is white people bad, black people good. White people oppressive, black people oppressed. Uh, Mike Pence is a racist. Never heard that Mike Pence was a racist, but I guess Mike Pence is a racist. And we all need to scream our support for an avowedly Marxist organization, Black Lives Matter. Which, by the way, Black Lives Matter just took down their What We Believe page. They had this What We Believe page that talked about how they support the destruction of the Western prescribed nuclear family, how they support queer fostering affirmative networks that destroy cisgender privilege, all this kind of crazy leftist radical jargon and claptrap. So it was up for a long time. And, and whenever people would say Black Lives Matter, just means Black Lives Matter. Just means you like black people and you're not a terrible, awful racist like all the other white people. And you say, I don't think that's what it means. I think it's a Marxist organization. I think actually all the founders of Black Lives Matter are Marxists, like Patrice Colors and Alicia Garza and Opal Tometi. I can name them. I can, Opal Tometi smiling with pictures with uh, Venezuela's communist dictator. And then Patrice Colors just openly said that she and Alicia are trained Marxists. I, do I need to, why do I need to say my support? Why do I need to scream that? Ha ha, what, what's the joke? What is the joke? There is no joke. There's no joke to that at all because they believe that. <laughs> if they didn't believe that, then it would be a joke. But they do believe that. They, they believe on the left that white people are bad because of the color of their skin. They believe that black people are good because of the color of their skin. They believe that America is a white supremacist country. That's why, that's why we're putting this stuff up at the Emmys, right? Because of how white supremacist we are. <laughs> that's why the only racial discrimination we have as a matter of law is called affirmative action that benefits applicants who are black or Hispanic and disadvantages applicants who are white or, or Asian because of our white supremacy, right? But they, they believe that. They believe that that's real and they don't like the country for it. And that's why they're presently burning it all down. Whether it's Antifa, whether it's BLM, or whether it's the Democratic politicians who are encouraging them all the time. You know, though, there is one f former Dem Democratic politician, late Democratic politician, well, more of a judge, a leftist icon who is not such a big fan of BLM. Another, another belief of hers that we can intuit from beyond the grave. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, if you watch this podcast on YouTube, you should know that on September 28th, it will be moving from the Daily Wire YouTube channel to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel exclusively. You can get the link in the description below. Is this because I'm leaving the Daily Wire? No, nice try, Ben, but I'm not leaving the Daily Wire. Uh, the reason is that big tech comes after us, and so it, it helps if we're on our own channel. So head on over there. Subscribe to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. Ring the bell. Make sure you never miss out on a new video. Also, Daily Wire members can now enjoy our, our shows on Apple TV and Roku. So you can watch us on the big screen, not the big screen, but like the moderately sized screen. Uh, members can enjoy all of the visual elements of this podcast and other shows on that screen, live or on demand. Find The Daily Wire on Apple TV or Roku. Download it today. You have to be an insider member to watch live. So head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code watch at checkout. You will get 15% off your membership purchase. The deal will not last long, so act fast if you want live shows on your big screen. Plus, 
the one of a kind, highly coveted, wonderful, indestructible leftist tears tumbler. We'll be right back with a lot more. Yes, there is one leftist icon who does not seem so thrilled with BLM and the BLM leaders and the anti-Americanism that they foment. Who would that icon be? I think I've already given it away. It would be the notorious RBG. Justice Ginsburg, how do you feel about San Francisco 49ers player Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players who have basically refused to stand for the national anthem? What do I think? I think it's really dumb of them. Would I arrest them for doing it? No. I think it's dumb and disrespectful. Uh, the same, I would have the same answer if you asked me about flag burning. I said, I think it's a terrible thing to do, but I wouldn't lock a person up for, for doing it. I would point out how ridiculous it seems to me to do such, a, such an act. Now, I got to tell you, the more I hear about this RBG lady, the more I like her, <laughs> the more reasonable she sounds. Gosh, I totally agree. Burning the flag is a horrible, terrible thing to do. And disrespecting the flag in the way that Colin Kaepernick and BLM have done are very stupid, very disrespectful. How many left-wingers presently invoking the sainted RBG would be willing to acknowledge all of that? Probably very few. But the reason for that is that RBG is giving a liberal political view of flag burning and the kneeling at the flag and, and disrespecting the anthem. That's a liberal political view. <laughs> Namely, I don't like it, but I wouldn't arrest you for it. It's not that big a deal, but you still, you shouldn't do it. The difference is that BLM is not merely political, but it has taken on the tone and the form of a religious liturgy. Very clearly the kneeling, the kneeling is a religious action. The, the BLM supporters are genuflecting but it's an inverse religious liturgy. So they're not genuflecting on their knee to show respect. They're genuflecting to show disrespect for the flag because America is a hateful place and the cops are racist and whatever other nonsense they want to spew. So it's a sort of inverse religious liturgy rather than uh, being edifying in community. Obviously it's divisive and t tears the country down rather than being salvific. It's destructive, but that is the religious liturgy. It's why you can't argue with them. It's why they have all these kind of cockamamie theories about human nature, like white people bad or black people good, or that there's this superstructure of oppression in the world that they call white supremacy. The, the actual superstructure of oppression in the world is Satan. <laughs> the, this fallen world, the prince of darkness, principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's the actual spiritual uh, oppression that we have. But because the left is vaguely materialistic, vaguely anti-Christian or, or anti-religious, sometimes explicitly so, they, that they can't make sense of that. So it has to be physical. It can't be a spiritual darkness. It has to be a, a, a physical problem, namely skin color or sex, right? I mean, we're focusing on the racial aspect, but it could be sex, men bad, women good, straight people bad, uh, non-straight people good, you know, LGBT, LMNOP. 
or in the BLM What We Believe section, when they say we're here to disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family. Right? They want to destroy the nuclear family for that reason, because all of the structures of society are oppressive. Karl Marx famously called for the ruthless criticism of all that exists, and his acolytes in the cultural spheres then took up that crusade. And that's what we're seeing. Not merely political, certainly also religious. Speaking of religious people, the president, Donald J. Trump, met with Judge Amy Coney Barrett on Monday and reportedly, quote, is moving toward nominating her to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is not exactly a surprise. Uh, Judge Barrett was apparently up for the seat last time around, and uh, she's been considered the favorite this time around. So, you know, you don't want to assume that it's going to be her necessarily. There are some other names that are being floated, but we are getting even more information now that looks like it's moving in her direction. And whoever leaked this, that, that, that Trump is moving toward nominating her, uh, very well may have come out of the White House. We just don't know. It, it does seem to, to affirm what we've been hearing before. And according to Bloomberg News, Trump has told allies that he thinks Barrett, 48, is a smart, hard-nosed conservative jurist who would also come across well during televised confirmation hearings. Trump also believes Barrett won't be wobbly on major issues for conservatives, including abortion, gun rights, and health care, when they come before the court. So that quote given to Bloomberg News, to me, sounds like a real quote, because it sounds like the sort of thing that someone pushing Amy Barrett would say and the the way that they would say it. So looks like at the moment we're moving toward Judge Barrett. Fine by me. I don't know very much about her jurisprudence, but she seems, for what we know about her, she seems great. But there's this big problem, big, big problem. Not just Dick Durbin trying to figure out what Catholicism is, but an even bigger problem. Ron Charles at the Washington Post. This is one of our elite journalists in this country. Ron Charles tweets out this shocking quote from a piece explaining who Amy Barrett is. Amy Coney Barrett, the judge at the top of Trump's list to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, has said we should always remember that a legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. Oh no, the horror, the horror. She believes that thing that Christians believe. <laughs> she, is, she is a Christian. That's okay. She, that's what it is. That's the big shocking. I guess he used all these words that were scary, but I guess the tweet is, she is a Christian. Oh no. That's what Christians believe, right? That this world is not an end unto itself, but this world is aimed toward the kingdom of God, our salvation, to know God and enjoy him forever. That is the end of this world. It's funny now because in this postmodern culture, people joke about, oh, what's the meaning of life? As though you could never know the meaning. You can know the meaning of life. The meaning of life is to know God and enjoy him forever. (laughs) Simple. There you go. Move on to the next question now. Like algebra or calculus or something. That seems, that, 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 that is much more complicated to figure out than these sorts of things, at least if you are religious, and specifically in this case, if you're a Christian. And this guy doesn't understand it. I think most of the left does not understand this at all. And it's why they are losing their freaking minds, because this is all that there is. I don't know why. I mean, if it were me, if I really believe this is all that there is, I'd probably just sit on my couch and watch like old episodes of the Waltons or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, but that so that's one thing you can do. Or because you just say, oh, well, it's all mo- meaningless, whatever. I'll, this will be just kind of pleasant. I'll sit here, have a drink, have a cigar, watch 
watch good TV and then, and then die someday. But the, the alternative is you're just so, you're so anxious. You're, you're so shocked and horrified at the reality that you're staring into the abyss that you, you just go crazy. And that, that is what's happened with the left. You, you know, I always try to reason with the left, try to engage with their arguments, but there's no argument in, ah, that's not, no, that's, that's not an argument. That's a, a childish temper tantrum. These, these protests, you know, these violent riots that are going on, there's no arguing with that because there's no reason in it. There's no logic in it. It's just a threat. It's just an explosion of violence. And, and they continue even to this day. There was a protest, quote unquote, that took place in the middle of the night, two nights ago, outside of Senator Lindsey Graham's home. Take a listen to this peaceful, wonderful, subdued, reasonable protest. You see the cops show up, thankfully. And then there are these really nice, peaceful, orderly protesters trying to break onto his property. Some doughy sort of millennial looking fellow just gets pushed back by the cops. Cameras, lights, banging, noise. Those clappers, that noise that you're hearing there, that is the left's argument in these protests. The air horn and the, and the banging, that is the argument. You know, in a self-governing republic, speech is politics and politics is speech. Meaning that when you can convey meaning through your words, through these sounds and symbols we emit from our mouths, and then someone else can hear that and have some idea of what you're talking about because you're referring to something in objective reality, that is speech. And the way we govern ourselves is we persuade our fellow citizens of things. And then ultimately, if we're persuasive enough, hopefully we win elections and then get to govern ourselves. That's at least how it's supposed to work. That is what freedom of speech is, is to protect. That is what the First Amendment is to protect. Freedom of speech, quote unquote, is not there to protect screaming and clapping and yelling and blowing air horns outside of a senator's home at night. That's not speech. The ah and the woo and the, these kind of animalistic, bestial sounds that these, that these people are making outside of Lindsey Graham's home. That's not speech. Speech has to have meaning to it. It has to have substance. Animals who grunt and scream like these Democrats do, do not have speech. That isn't speech. That's sound. That's noise. And that's what we're getting. We're getting a whole lot of noise. And we're, we're getting a whole lot of noise because th- this is ultimately a religious expression for eternal questions that politics are cer- is certainly not fit to solve or can only touch around the surface of. This is the protest now is the, is part of the liturgy of liberalism. Anytime there's a police shooting, for instance, even if it's a completely justified police shooting, 100% justified, it doesn't matter. That's the signal then to go out and do this liturgy, like the church bells in medieval Europe. The, the kneeling down and disrespecting the flag, that's part of the liturgy of secular liberalism as well. What did Lindsey Graham do? Did Lindsey Graham do anything? No. But they just show up and they start screaming because that's their version of church. Because I bet none of those people go to church on Sunday and they feel like they need some community and they feel like they need some meaning in their life. And so instead of going and getting salvation and being 
in fellowship with the mystical body of Christ and ensuring your own salvation, what do they do? They go yell and scream in the middle of the night like a bunch of banshees and idiots. But that's what that is. You know, Mara Gay over at the New York Times, Mara Gay over the New York Times, she showed probably the most conspicuous symbol of this secular liturgy the other day. She was describing the masks or what I refer to as a secular mantilla. She tweets out, quote, one thing I love about New York right now, how people pull up their masks as they approach strangers on the street. It's a sign of respect, community, and common sense. Just call us the heartland. Now, of course, it's not a sign of any of that. It's a sign of neurosis and stupidity, but that I'm not even making a point about the masks scientifically right now. I'm making a point about her love for the masks. She doesn't say that the masks are a great way to stop the spread of the virus. The masks are a wonderful way to stay healthy. The masks are 99% effective, because they're not. But the the masks are, she's not speaking in scientific terms. She says it's a sign of respect, community, and common sense. That's, That's the kind of thing you actually would say about wearing a mantilla at church, (laughs) you know, the veil that people wear at church. That's the sort of thing you would say in in civil society or ultimately in the center of civil society, religious life. It's about respect. It's about community. It's about common sense, the sort of sense that we all share, the logic, the reason that we all share by virtue of being people, that human solidarity. That's what it's about. And that's what they're looking for with the masks. And that's what they're looking for with every other mania and hysteria that blows through secular liberalism. And they're not going to be satisfied there, my friends. Bad news for you. Bad news. If you make saints out of lawyers, if you venerate icons of deceased lawyers, if you make idols out of medical masks, if you make liturgies out of screaming and yelling and tearing your hair out and disrespecting your country, you will not be satisfied. You will keep looking for something beyond that in your religious confusion that you might share with Dick Durbin or you might share with the Washington Post. You will look for something beyond that, but you might not have a country left in which to look. That's our show. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. And production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. The fight for the Supreme Court is on, but right and left aren't fighting for the same things or fighting in the same way. The right wants to follow the Constitution, the left wants to burn it down. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show.